Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of The Jay Davis Show. Uh, I'm super excited for our guest today, Leah Garcia. Welcome to the show, Leah. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks for coming. So Leah is the founder and CEO of New Lastin. Did I say that correctly? You did. Okay. Glad I did it well. Uh, <laughs> so why don't you start? Do you want to just give us kind of a background bio? You've had an amazing career, reporter, author, You've done athletes, so many things. Kind of give us a background of how you got to be an entrepreneur. Being where I am, uh, the hats that you don't see me wearing right now, but there's been many of them. Um, I used, you know, I used to joke when at one point that I said, "If it's got a saddle, I'll ride it." Because when I grew up, it was on a ranch, and then I from rodeos to ranching. I mean, old school, like you know, working cattle, the whole business. Then rodeo. And then I turned into a triathlete and a mountain bike racer. But I didn't do that until really late in my career. I was about 28 years old. And um, I was highly motivated because I'd gained a lot of weight once I moved to Spain. And I thought I better exercise. So the bike was what I uh, was drawn to. And then I got to see all the gorgeous places that I could go in Spain. So I started racing my bike all over the country. Um, but that was my story about riding saddles. <laughs> And then um, I flipped all of that into a television career as a sideline reporter for first the Western sports world and then most recently the professional bull riders tour, which was owned by IMG and aired on CBS, CBS Sports and many other networks prior. Um, and in the meantime, I did a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. I developed in-room fitness programming. When I raced mountain bikes, I got to go do a lot of crazy stuff. So um, I don't, I'm, I'm very, I, inquietude is what they used to say in Spain. I'm a little bit restless. I like to keep moving and I don't sit still very long. Love it. I think it's a classic entrepreneur trait, but it's so true of so many of us. <laughs> we just have to be moving and doing something new. I know. People always say, what will you do when you, what will you do when you retire? I'm like, huh? I don't want to retire. That's fun. Why? Yeah, I, I think that's another commonality is we why would you want to retire? This is this is the passion that every entrepreneur has. This is the, what they want to do. What did you learn from bull riding? Were there any things that you took away from that that were interesting? Lots, lots. First of all, I, I kind of consider myself to be um, a bit of a student of reading people. Uh, and so what when you see someone weekend after weekend after weekend really literally put their life on the line. Um, and have to compete against these magnificent animals, which are all by themselves great athletes. But the pressure, their ability to come to the table, to nod their head, to put out their all every single weekend, whether they were banged up, battered, or bruised and broken, they would still keep coming back for more. And a cowboy, when they get bucked off, they, they, they have to really be hurt to limp, right? They, they're proud. They, they get up, they stand square and they walk off the arena floor and there's just no crybabying, you know? And for me, what I learned is just watching people who are not quitters, people who are winners, people who, even if they made a mistake and failed, they just get right back up and do it again. And the minute you lose that edge, then you're done. As an athlete in general, and I can tell you as a professional athlete racing mountain bikes, the same thing applies that, that. The minute you even think about quitting, your, your career's over. That's amazing. Uh, so what, hap what then led you into entrepreneurship? 
Was there a spark of an idea? Was it just something you wanted to try? Um, you know, my parents, none of nobody in my family's ever had a real job. We've always just we've always just worked for ourselves. And I I was never raised around the corporate environment. I mean, I, even after college, when all of my colleagues and uh, fellow students were off interviewing for corporate America jobs, I just went a completely different path and moved. I bought a one-way ticket. I moved to Europe. I started doing photography and more entrepreneurial things there. But I I knew that I had something in me that was bigger than working in corporate America. Um, not that that's a bad thing. It just really wasn't for me. And I liked the challenge uh, betting on myself. So ultimately, what led me to my first big project during my TV stint is I was on the road 200 days a year. And um, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could do exercise in my hotel room? And so I created an in-room fitness video programming. <laughs> and here's my horse reference again. You can lead a horse to water and you can't make them drink. So I should have done G-Stream Fitness, which is what my first idea was. Going to be G-Stream Fitness in a hotel room. I could have gotten lots of people to come and visit me on that channel. But no, I played it conservative. And so I did all these in-room programming and um, I didn't make any money. <laughs> but I met people who eventually got me into the infomercial world. And then I um, started working for a company with an electronic muscle stimulator belt for abdominal training. And that thing really worked. So I went to Slendertone, did HSN. And then worked for another company called Contour and basically sold app belts for many, many years. And that really fueled this entrepreneurial spirit of find a really great product that people can use and, and deliver that and bring it to market. And then take it one step further. Then I also, my, my goal though was to have something with a bit more continuity, something that would be ongoing, which is what I'm doing now. So where did the idea for New Lasting come from? Was that while you were doing these other entrepreneurial things? Did it develop over time? During the era when high-definition television replaced our old-school television, and you could see every, every pore on your face, um, and I was probably spending a little bit too much time out at the bars every night before I would do television, I looked in the mirror one day and I was like, whoa, there's a problem going on. I mean, I felt literally like I was aging prematurely. Um, I'd also suffered... Bell's palsy, so Bell's paralysis when I was eight years old, which really did a number on my face. And I was somewhat relegated to the fact that I was going to have this asymmetry for life. Well, anyway, I was introduced to a microbiologist who had created this skincare line and I started using it. And the results, and this sounds like an infomercial, but the results were literally so transformative. They were so remarkable that I could still go to the bar. I could still be crazy. I could still not sleep. And I'd get up, put this stuff on, and my face would look great. So I kind of was inspired to say, well, if it's working for me, it's going to work for other people. And um, I'm 59 years old next week. And the biggest problem I have when I put myself in an ad for New Aston is I have to Chiron my name or my age. Because when you look at me, you're like, she doesn't look 59 years old. But if you would have seen me 20 years ago before I started this program, I, I'm sure it would have all changed. And all I had to do was look at my mother to see how she aged without an elastin supplement to her face. Yeah. What, what year did you start Elastin? 
I I launched the business in 2016, but I'd been using the product since 2004. Oh, I, wow. Yeah. So I got introduced to early prototypes. Um, I, di- I haven't used it on my arms, and that's a whole different conversation. And my neck, is my neck which is why I'm wearing this scarf, because gravity is winning here. Oh, boy, is gravity winning there, but it's not here yet. Still fighting the good fight right here. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Well, what have you learned as you've been running it? I mean, that's seven years. That's an amazing track record. Uh, so many businesses struggle to just get past those first couple of years. What have you learned in the past seven years? When I first started, I invested everything so that, as I mentioned, entrepreneurially invest in yourself. If you're willing to put in your own money, your own time, your own blood, blood sweat and tears, you can do it. But I, I self-funded. Um, I couldn't get an investor. And then... Um, basically ran the business by myself for the first three years and got it up to almost $17 million without any employees. I was doing everything. I was doing the bookkeeping. I was doing, I didn't do the fulfillment. I mean, I had outside vendors that I would hire, but I was managing and overseeing everything. Um, I was just, I, if you were in my world right now, I would shove product in your face. I would get my camera out and I'd start taking pictures of you and watching how the results transpired. Um, so I just hustled. I hustled. I hustled. And I kept hustling. Then I hired my first employee. And then uh, my goal was to, you know, ultimately build the business to exit because in Boulder, Colorado, it seems like that's what everybody does. All the cool kids anyway. They're like, oh, I just sold Crocs. I just sold Laura bars and Justin's nut butter. Boulder, Colorado is full of successful entrepreneurs that exit companies. So I was like, oh, I should do that too. Um, But if I just don't do that. It's fine too, because I have now built the business up way past that number with um, some very, very big goals in mind. But let me tell you, you asked the most important question, which is not just what I've learned, but the, what I never wrote down was hiring employees. <laughs> I, I worked for myself and I had never really thought through managing employees. And so that is probably, and I love them all so much, but it's my least favorite thing because I just want to be part of them, not managing them. I don't want to worry. Are they working? Are they not working? Are things done right? Are they not done right? That's the the least fun thing is that portion of the business. Um, and I think that it's probably a struggle for a lot of people, which is why they hire outside HR firms, et cetera. Um, but I've been too close and I haven't been able to step away yet. And that's, that's probably on me, something that I should strive to not be as much in the day-to-day management of everyone. It's hard. I, I think that's such a great point that you bring up. And, and, and I think it's awesome that you can say that. I think it's really a challenge being a CEO. You start to feel, and I think I'm very that much that way. I'm a people person. I love being around people. I like being friends with the team. I like doing going and doing activities with them. But it can also be hard because you also have to be that leader. Are there things that you've learned as you've gone through that process that someone who's like, okay, I'm I need to hire my first person or I need to improve my relationship with employees. What do you, what would you tell them or teach them? It's really onboarding and even offboarding if that's the case, but it's having defined uh roles so that we played whack-a-mole for the first year and a half that I had employees. And it was, it was like 
if one person did something, everybody would jump over there and we chased, we chased this circle of whack-a-mole around and we were just putting out lots of fires. And I, I would say that for me to go back and do it over again, my goodness, I would have the roles super defined. People would stay in their lanes. They would be the right person in the right seat if you go into some of the traction theories and some of the corporate um, management philosophies, but making sure that the right people are in the right seat and they're in the lane that they need to be in to do the best work that they can. And then the people who aren't in that lane, get out of the way. Um, trust the people that you've hired to do the things that you've hired them for. Um, but, but because we're so small still, I've only got 15 employees, including myself, because we're so small, we all tend to jump in if there's a problem. Everybody wants to fix it and they're do-gooders and we're all do-gooders. But it doesn't help if all of a sudden, the, like watching kids play, you know, t-ball, and the ball goes over there and the whole field runs to that one direction. That's, That's a very good analogy. Sometimes. That's what it was like, for sure. Um, and we're getting better, but that's just, it's a constant process. And when you're, when you're in my position where I'm still so much of a visionary and I, I move things forward and I have, I have so much energy and I work so many hours and I'm so, to keep up with that pace gets challenging for the team gets challenging for me to back off and say, all right, Leah, it didn't need to happen yesterday. We can wait, right? So, um, but I'm, I also truly believe that, you know, don't put off for tomorrow that which you can do today. So I move. That impatience. My, my parents uh, were always a little frustrated with me because I was an impatient child. Um, but they've seen and made the comment later when I was, probably my 20s, like, man, impatience has really helped you, though. Like, that impatience, even though it was so difficult and frustrating sometimes as your parents, it really has been a benefit to you because I'm just never willing to, like, oh, let's just, let's do it in a couple months. I'm like, well, why don't we do it tomorrow if we if we can? Um, and I think that that's a really good point. It, it really, like, helps speed things up. I love your analogy of the t-ball team. <laughs> Um, and I think one of the things that's hardest about that is everyone shifts and then all of a sudden all the things that the other 14 people were supposed to do, be doing stop. And then what you do is you just constantly are shifting to like these major catastrophes and, oh, now this is on fire. Now let's jump over there. So makes it really difficult. It, it is. It, and I am a subject of one right now because I have not ever run a business with employees and try to build to the degree of what I'm doing now. Again, I've been a solopreneur most all of my life, worked for people. And I, I always used to say, even in the television world, and my team jokes with me because I'll just say, make other people's jobs easier. That's how I've gotten ahead in, even in my television career. So I was never going to be the tallest, the smartest, the prettiest, et cetera, but I could darn sure make everybody else's job easy. I can show up on time. I can do my job well, and I can make their job easier by being prepared and thinking ahead at what they might need. So even in the television world, especially if it's a live show, you, you, you have to anticipate what you think's coming down the pipe or, or at least what they may need, right? At least from the production perspective. So on my team, that's that's one of the things they'll hear me say a lot besides the word onward, um, which is just make other people's lives easier. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, 
Well, one of the where do you live in Boulder? Are you in Boulder? Uh, I'm downtown. I get to ride my bike to work every day. It's an old clunker commuter bike, but we've got a great office on Pearl Street. And there's a bike locker yeah. in the back right off of an alley. So I ride my bike into town. Um, my husband and I have a cabin up in Eldora, which is an old mining community. So I'm up here right now. It's about 9,000 foot elevation. So this is where I can come and get my mountain bike training on because I still love to ride and um, trail run, do that kind of stuff. I'm not a stick and ball sport girl. I used to play softball competitively, um, but now I'm an absolute disaster. Like I don't even want to throw a ball. I, I think I've been gripping handlebars for way too long to figure out how to like throw a great fastball anymore. I love that. I actually grew up in Colorado, so I'm a big, big Colorado fan. Which part? I grew up in Highlands Ranch. Oh, so. my. Yeah, you were our neighbor. But those are fancy yeah. people over there in Highlands Ranch. Oh, fancy I don't people, know if so. I was fancy, but uh, <laughs> a lot of my friends went to see you. So uh, Pearl Street, super fun. Uh, I actually was going to say, there's a. have you ever been to Sweet Cow in Louisville? There's a Sweet Cow in Boulder now, but yes, yes. Well, I... I, I'm not good with dairy products too much, so makes it makes it a little. They probably have vegan stuff. I would I would assume. I, but. I don't. I'll eat anything, and I'll even eat dairy products. Just um, it's not good when I go for a mountain bike ride afterwards. Yeah. So it makes it hard. Or to learn where you're at. You know, it's Boulder. They say it's the only island surrounded by dry land, right? Because there's this Boulder bubble. Um, but I always said I was invited to Boulder. I was originally from California. My family's from Spain and the Basque country. So that's where I really started getting my athletic, you know, prowess over there. Um, but when I came in, I kept saying I was invited. I was invited. I didn't just move here because. Um, but they may kick me out pretty soon because I don't drive a Tesla. That's that's probably a requirement in Boulder at this point. Or now the new Rev Re, Re, Revion. Those new. Yeah, yeah. Rivian. Things. Rivian. Yes. There's now I see yeah. those every other car. They're everywhere. Uh, how do you how do you think you love it? I mean, Boulder is an amazing startup community. It has a great history. Whether someone lives in a place like that or not, how do you think you can leverage as an entrepreneur your surroundings? It's exactly what I did here in Boulder. As a matter of fact, I was not looking for an investment for the company. And then one day the Denver Angels reached out and what a community of human beings. Uh, Denver Angels came into my life, but I'm um, I'm also a mentor at the Founder Institute. But there is huge community support from the Denver Angels, from Founder Institute, from some of the incubator programs that they've got. And, um, and everyone is so generous with their advice, their time, their suggestions to help us uh, move the needle forward, as I keep trying to do. So it, it, this would not be possible if I were still in Wheatland, California, where I grew up, not that there, it, it's just not the same energy of, of entrepreneurs who understand where you want to go. So you know how to get there, but that have, that have seen it happen, right? They've got a playbook. Um, and when you bring people in who have seen that playbook and they know how to follow those steps, it makes it a lot easier than just floundering. And the first few years I was so cocky. I was just doing it all by myself. Like my, my book was going to be, you don't know what you don't know. If you don't know, you don't know it. Horribly long title. But what that really means is like, if you don't know, you don't know, you just go out and do it. Um, but I, I needed a bit of help. And this is where these great support 
individuals came in to add that texture of what really the corporate world looked like. Yeah, it's hard if you haven't been in a business to know what do how do businesses work? How do they run? But you know what, though? Don't you think, though, in a way, it's kind of good not to follow that protocol perfectly? Like I, I sort of want to, but then part of me likes that I don't know because then I could be free and my ideas aren't, they're not so structured. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this will all come back to bite me at some point. Um, but for right now, I actually like the fact that I am not super savvy in the corporate world of growing a business because I just don't see any limitations. There's no ceiling for me in my mind. I think that's another commonality amongst entrepreneurs. It's we have this desire to view things differently or, or, or almost more an innate ability to view things differently. And that becomes something that we just do naturally. And, and so it's good for us to kind of have like a little bit of a foot in how things have been done. So you understand like, here's what people ha have done before. But I also am willing to break the rules and I'm willing to try new things. And sometimes you end up in the same place as other people landed. And sometimes you end up in a very new, different place. And that's really fun. It's a it's a box. Um, and she's I'm so full of analogies. Sorry. But even in TV, I studied with this box. So it, if you're super eccentric and crazy, you can just jump out of the box at any time. If you're really poor and down and out and you've got nothing to lose, you can jump out of the box. But if you're kind of a normal human being, you got to stay in the box and fit in with the rules. But my whole challenge is how do I get to the edges, right? So if you're on that box, there's a little edge over here. How, how do I go to that edge and play over there instead of being just normal right in the center? But believe you me, you can't go. Don't go over that line. Don't go Tom Cruise dancing on a couch during an interview. Don't do that. That, that gets you in trouble. But he's rich enough and eccentric enough that he can do that. But normal people, you can't. So you got to stay in the box, go to the edges, play to the edges, see where you can go with that. Um, and then sometimes it's just okay to stay in that like center zone and just be really, really good in that center zone, which is another important part of building a brand and building a business is knowing what you've got. Right now at New Lastin, we are an elastin company, elastin, that's it. We're 100% focused on hair and skin, which is all tied into this beautiful protein called elastin that all of us are born with, but that we stop producing at about the age of 21. At least we don't produce any more healthy elastin. So unless there's an external source coming in to replenish that elastin, your hair, your skin will suffer and I always say it's easier to keep the hair you've got than to try to grow new hair and the skin that you've got, keep it healthy generation to generation, then try to repair skin that's wrinkled and already falling apart. You can reverse it a little bit, um, but my whole thing is a lot of prevention and a lot of doing things right so that you can continue evolving and your years can go by and you don't have to try to fix what's broken. I love that. I think. I love that analogy of going to the edges. One of my favorite entrepreneurial books is Where Good Ideas Come From by Steven Johnson. And he kind of gives that same idea that if you go too far in innovating like five steps beyond what is the next possible innovation, it's too hard for people to grasp. It's so far out there that they're like, I don't even get this. It's not rooted in anything that feels 
kind of more safe and normal, even for early, early, early adopters, you can kind of go to a point where there are no early adopters because you're too kind of out there and wild. You're too early. Here's a perfect example. Or too early, yeah. When I was doing my in-room fitness programming, um, it was when when smartphones were just starting to come out. And um, I had this idea that I was going to do the fit tip of the day so that when people opened up their telephones, and these were the flip phones back then, that they would have a quick fit tip of the day. Lunges. I actually shot a demo video. I sent it to Motorola, and I got an email back from them that just said, nobody's going to watch fitness on a phone. I wish I still had that email. I don't. But I remember thinking, oh, okay, I won't do that then. I was too early with the concept. And now look at where we are. Had I only followed through with that one. Yeah. But I, but I think that's also like sometimes it's it's good um, to recognize an entrepreneur like, hey, maybe that idea was just too early. Maybe that was, you know, maybe it was late, um, but it's not necessarily a bad idea. I also just love the irony of Motorola saying that and then getting disrupted. <laughs> like, what do you know about phones? And then they get destroyed by Apple. Um, oh, yeah. That is so true. That is so which true. now Apple makes their own fitness videos. I know. It's crazy so, where yeah. we have come with our technology. And just to put a underscore a little bit about, you know, these great ideas. Uh, another amazing mentor, colleague of mine, who I used to train when I was a personal trainer at the gym said, your first idea often isn't the one that's going to make you the money. It's, it's typically the second one. And it's the connection you make from the first one. And he was so spot on. My in-room fitness video programming introduced me to where I am today that introduced me to this technology and this business that I'm in right now. Um, New Lasting would never have been possible had I not, would I, I'm not going to say I failed, but had I not, not succeeded the way I had visualized in that first business venture. But you just got to do it. And that's the thing. I wish I could, no, but it's not for everybody. So it's probably a good thing. But I, I just think that I have friends who are just scared. I see people, I see people who just get scared and they get paralyzed from being scared and they just, they took, they do the paper shuffling. They talk about things and they move papers around on their desk, but nothing really ever happens. And that's, if I could say one thing to anybody listening to this, I am, I am so encouraging people who have ideas to just do them, just come hell or high water, push through and do them. If if you want to enter a Spartan race with Joe DeSena, just get that kettlebell and just go do it. You know, you're never going to win that first race. But if we just don't start a business, if we don't try, then you, then where you're at, you know, then you live with regrets. And I think that's super important to not, not live with any regrets if it's something you passionately want to do. Couldn't agree more. I, I think that is such great advice. Uh, this week, we were talking about one of our favorite Ryan Holiday quotes where he said, you have to get to the point where the work is the win. Um, and I think that's that is the thing that often people are missing. They're like, hey, you know, I have friends who are always like, I have an idea. And I'm like, and I think it's going to make me a lot of money and let me accomplish everything I want in life. And it's like, no, the work is the win. The, the end goal is not the win. The sale, the sale, the acquisition, that's not the win. It's being an entrepreneur. Like I have moments all the time where I just sit there and I'm like, I get to work for myself. That's the win. I, it's not some future event. Jay, did you start this podcast because you wanted to get rich? Uh, no. 
it currently has a, has an income of zero dollars. So it would have been a very poor decision. I think money and having a good financial goal is really important. But if that's the first thing out of your mouth, then you're probably doing it for the wrong reasons. If the first thing out of your mouth is I want to get rich or I, you know, that just sounds like it's the wrong path for most people. Yeah. Um, then, but ultimately, you do want to find some, you know, revenue so that you can keep yeah. the thing that you love. Right. Yeah. That's so true. Well, and I think that that's what I've found is in my experience, when you start things without that intention, it's almost always when it works because you have something that you're like, I just know this is an idea that I need that other people need. And it's funny how often the people who come in are like, I have an idea. It's probably a billion dollar idea. I'm like, it's probably going to turn out to be nothing because you're you're thinking with that goal. But when I have people who come in and they're and they want us to invest or work with them and help scale them. And they say, hey, I have this thing and I can't stop thinking about it. And it makes my life better. And I think it will make other people's lives better. And I think people want it. And all my family keeps asking me if they can buy it. Then I'm like, okay, you're on something. And that's that's a huge difference um, between the people who often just even start ideas. Most of the people who, with the billion dollar idea never get going. Is that what you are, um, you have a business model that you do help um, like first stage, second stage companies scale? Yeah. So we have, I own Pillow Cube, which is our main business, but uh, we also own an agency. I own an agency that helps uh, businesses to grow and, and kind of get to that next level. Good so. for you. I didn't know that. See? Yeah, it's fun. Now I'm learning something. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. It uh, is, we lo- we love kind of helping people grow. That would be my dream too. Um, should I become so fortunate as to exit New Lasten and be able to move on to the next chapter of my life? Um, that That's my goal is to continue giving back to other um, entrepreneurs, especially female founders, where I I don't like to play that gender card game where I didn't get the same, you know, opportunities as my male counterparts because that's not how my brain works. But I will tell you that I could not be, I could not get taken seriously when I first was trying to find money for this business. I mean, I was ridiculed, um, almost laughed at. I, it, it was just, they, they, I couldn't even get the conversation going. Um, so I will help women at some point so that they don't have to deal with that. But to be fair, I even went to a female incubator group and I sort of got shut down very quickly with that too. Like, oh, you've just got some other secret sauce that you're selling. I think that you should follow skirt sports and do what they did. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? Um, but part, part of the process is learning to deal with those small insults and those small setbacks. And people will open say, I don't know. I, there's always room at the top for the cream, my dear. There's always room for I think anytime you're innovating, people are going to be like doubtful. You know, innovation is something that that is so fun. And it's I love creating things that have never been created before. But by their very nature, they're new and different. And a lot of people are afraid of new and different. They're like, they just don't think that way. They're like, why would we? It works great now. Just leave it alone. Right. And so for innovators. this, This business that I'm in, the skincare and the hair care business, it's so saturated and everyone's heard every promise out there that, you know, it becomes just noise for a lot of people. 
So my job and what I challenge everyone is just to try to set ourselves apart. What are our true differentiators? How are we different than other competitors? And at the end of the day, if our product doesn't work, no one's going to come back and rebuy from me. So it, it, my first and foremost obligation is to the customers to deliver on the promise of scientifically based formulas that are ethic, ethically derived that do what we say they're going to do. And when they get those results, then their life changes. And that's when they're like, wow, I wasn't expecting that because there's just a lot of crap out there, to be quite honest. So true. Well, I love it. This has been such a fun conversation. It's always so great to meet other entrepreneurs. Any call to action for the listeners? Something well, you would uh, ask them to do? I would love for them to come visit our website at newlastin.com, N-U-L-A-S-T-I-N.com. We're running a summer splash sale right now. But more importantly, take care of your skin and your hair now, no matter what age, um, and then go ahead and set yourself up for a healthy, vibrant, enriched future because we're, we're all about living life to its fullest with passion and, and all of the things that come with that. And as cliche as it sounds, the better you look, the better you feel, the better you feel, the better everything is. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you again, Leah, for coming on the show. So great having you. Appreciate yeah, you taking the time. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Cheers. <laughs>